Well, whether this is your first time to Radiant or you've been here a whole bunch of times, I want you to know that one, this is my most favorite night of the year. And I think it's yours too. And I don't know if you wanted to come or if you didn't want to come or if you were like, ooh, a church thing on a Friday, I don't know. Make no mistake, God knew you would be here and he knows just what you need. So I just want to encourage you to really be open to all that God has for you tonight. And um, I actually have a really long message, so I'm going to go ahead and just jump right into it. But do you mind if we chat for just a minute? Um, I kind of feel silly asking you this question um, because we're all women, so it kind of makes it a no-brainer. But um, how many of you like to be prepared? Right, obviously, all of us like to be prepared. Now, we may have some varying definitions of what prepared looks like for us, but women, in general, like to be prepared. Why else would God have created purses? You know, it's the vehicle that keeps us prepared. Now, if you didn't know this about me, I'm a purse girl. I love purses. I love bags. Um, you can never have too many. I, I don't care what my husband thinks. You can never have too many purses. It's my weakness, along with Coke Zeros. Those, those are the keys to my heart. So I love a good bag. I don't know if you know this or not, but we actually designed some bags out um, in our merch area that you can purchase to carry all of your things and be prepared. That's right. For the low, low price of, I think, $12, you can have it too. Um, I'm not kidding you when I tell you that my bag has absolutely everything if, that I ever would need in it. If I tried to tell you all of the things that was in my bag, I don't think you'd believe me. So I asked one of my friends um, and helpers to bring out my bag. Now, as he's coming, this is GW, ladies. And GW, will you just stay here for just a moment? Um, <clears throat> so GW helps our family out a lot. One of the things that he does is he, he drives us to the airport when we travel. GW, is this an exaggeration that this is the size and weight of most of my bags? It's small, he says. So, yeah, well, you know, got to be prepared. Okay, so um, you know what they say, though, right? Like, the bigger the bag, the closer you are to God. I want to be real close to God. Um, okay, so I got, I got a lot of things in here. Um, oh, well, I got this. I got... Um, Y'all know what this is? Like, okay, hold on a second. Hold this. Confetti. Because you should always be ready to party, right? Here you go. Okay, I got some other things in here. Oh, I told you, um, yeah, Coke Zero, fan of that. Anyone thirsty tonight? Anyone thirsty? Here, here, GW. Can I have some other helpers come up here for just a second? Like, um, okay, um, water. Because I knew, I knew I was going to be really saying a lot of words and really thirsty. So you got to be hydrated. So this water. Um, I, I'm not going to put it back in. Who wants it? It's like, Melinda will give it to somebody. I think you had to go to the back, Melinda. Going to make you run. Okay. Um, since we're on the theme of drinking, um, Coke Zero and water. Hold your knickers. Um, I also, I like to snack. It wasn't that funny. Um, I like candy, and so when I'm being, you know, a good girl, this is my, my skinny candy, which is smart sweets, eh, whatever, go give that to somebody. But when I'm really feeling myself, nerd gummies. Yeah, you gotta go to the back, I mean, you don't get anything if you're not loud. You gotta... You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't sit and be like, I'm a wonderful church girl and get a prize. No. Um, okay, so big bags are great, but sometimes, you know, you just, you, you need to grab and go. And so that's when, like, the little, like, yeah. They're going nuts. 
GW's gonna get mobbed back there. It's, it's getting kind of brutal. Simmer down, it's not a Lululemon, okay? All right, um, this stuff, it's called Beyond Shine. It makes, it's, they say it makes your hair shiny. I don't know, but I'll fall for anything. So, and it smells great. Okay, um, I have really dry hands, so I always have my favorite hand lotion. Well, I think right up there wants some hand lotion. Good golly. Okay, let's talk. <laughs> I think he's having too much. You need to step it up. He's having more fun with the ladies. Um, Y'all like my lipstick tonight? Can you see it? Yeah, that's, I don't know how to say it, but it's these like, Marcuja Juicy Lips. I don't know. It was an influencer thing. Sorry, sorry. I'm not really sportsy. Um, and this is new to me. This is the Tartlet um, Tubi Mascara because I tried to put on fake eyelashes and I couldn't figure out how to do the stupid things. So this is the next best thing. Here's a makeup case, I, you know. Okay, y'all need to get a little bit holy. Um, so I also carry my Bible around. Now this is not my Bible, but this is the exact same as my Bible, a nice rose gold, she reads truth. Go find someone that needs to be holy. Look, look, hey, hey, she came for it. That's right. Man, now I know why Oprah gives away things. Okay, so you also need a good notepad and you're gonna be in church tonight. So who needs to take some notes with my favorite pen? All right. Also, accessories. Accessories are important. Um, I love Kendra Scott. I couldn't decide what earrings to wear tonight. It was between these ones and, and these ones. So, you know, I'm, whoever, whoever needs these. <laughs> okay, now. Now every, every, every wife knows that the most important thing you could put in your purse is your husband's credit card. <laughs> so um, we have two gift cards that you can use to purchase your Radiant merch out in the... <laughs> Glory! Woo! <laughs> okay. Now, honestly, I, I already have one of these bags. I don't need it, so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You guys are hounds. All right. That was a lot of fun. Oh my goodness, okay. Sorry if you didn't win. Come next year. So back to being prepared. We all like to be prepared. But sometimes life is tricky and it throws things at you that you are not prepared for. And when you aren't prepared, it can rattle you. It can throw you off course. It can make you feel like you were living in a place of chaos. I'm curious tonight, have you ever found yourself there? Where you're like, what in the world is happening in my world? Of course you have. We all have. And in those moments, we can become rattled. 
unsure of what to do next or how to move forward or even how to have a vibrant relationship with God. How do you do that when you feel like you're barely hanging on to the edge? God's Word tells us that in this world, we will have trouble. It's going to happen. But God's Word is also full of promises like He's our helper. He'll never leave us, that He's our strength, that He gives us wisdom. His Word prepares us. And as I was preparing for tonight, I was drawn to my favorite book of the Bible, James. And that's where we're going to go tonight. So if you have your Bible with you, and I know at least one of you does, <clears throat> you can open it up to James chapter 1. And while you're doing that and getting turned there, you can get your notes ready because I know you're going to want to take a bunch of notes tonight. And so while you're doing all of that, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about James. I was too excited about that uh, giveaway. James is the half-brother of Jesus. So if you thought you could never match up to your sibling, try being James. James was also the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, and he's writing to the 12 tribes that were scattered because he realized that there were some things going on that needed to be addressed. Things are happening, and, and these people need to be prepared for it. Now, James is written as a letter, but it reads like a proverb, which is a book of wisdom in the Old Testament. And James focuses on themes like wisdom and faith and, and moral and ethical conduct. And I think I love James because he's efficient. He says, hello, now let's get to it. Like, that's my kind of text message, you know? Like, don't butter me up, just tell me what you want. So let's look at James chapter 1 together, starting in verse 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now the heading in my Bible says that this is the section on trials and temptations. Two things that we all face, but often things that we confuse. Trials and temptations. So tonight, I want to make sure that we understand what a trial is and what a temptation is. And I want us to be ready when trials and temptations come our way. Now the title of my message is also a question for you. Are you ready for it? That's the title of my message. Are you ready for it? If you are, say, I'm ready for it. Let's pray. God, we are ready for you. We're ready for what you have for us tonight. God, I'm asking that I would just get out of the way and that your words would be spoken here tonight. We just thank you for it, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Oh, thank you. Can you open that too? Everybody needs a G-dub in their life. He's married, though, so simmer down. Happily married. All right. Um, trials and temptations. Both are blah, yucky words. Life would be so much easier if these two things didn't exist, but they do. And we have to deal with them, but they don't have to be the thing that takes us out. If you're ready for them, if you're prepared, you can still flourish and be in a trial. You can still have vibrant faith and face temptation. Going through these things doesn't make you less. In fact, I would say it has the opportunity to make you more. Trials and temptations are not the same things. So let's start by getting a working definition of what exactly these two things are. Trials are things that come along in your life that are obstacles in the road. Trials are an obstacle in the road. Is something that you did not plan on. It can be a challenging situation at work. It's a medical issue. It's something with your kids or your finances. It's the tension of relationships. It's something out of the blue, out of the ordinary. That's a trial. A temptation is something you have more control over. 
I like to think of it as a temptation is a fork in the road. It's an opportunity for you to make a decision. Am I going to go this way or am I going to go that way? James wants us to be ready for trials and temptations because he knows that both will come. He's saying, I want you to be ready because when you face hard things, I want you to know the difference between a trial and a temptation. And he breaks them down for us, and he starts by telling us how to handle trials. In verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Okay, are you ready for it? James's first thought might just completely blow your mind. So are you ready for it, ladies? You can name it. What? When you are facing a trial, you get to call the trial whatever you want. Now, I don't mean, say, my trial's name is Jim, and I'm married to him. (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. James says to consider it. To consider means to think carefully about it, to suppose it may be. Have you ever used that saying? Well, I suppose. I suppose this could be joy. I know what you're thinking. How am I supposed to call it joy when I'm walking through pain? You know, joy and pain don't usually go together. How am I supposed to consider it joy that I'm in this position, in this place, in this financial hardship? You mean I'm supposed to have joy with this anxiety that grips me because of the circumstances that are around me? I'm supposed to consider that joy? Yeah, that's exactly what James is saying. We don't always get the option to control our circumstances, but you do get the option to control your thoughts. You can control what you think about. When you find yourself in the middle of a trial, you get to decide what you're going to call it. You can call it over. You can call it horrible. You can say, this is the thing that's going to defeat me. This is what's going to take me under. Or you can heed James's advice and say, I'm going to consider it joy. You can look at the trial and say, this is hard. This is not what I wanted. But I know God's up to something in the middle of the chaos. In the middle of this situation, I know that God is working on my behalf, and I'm going to find joy in this. It may not be making me happy right now, but I can find joy in the middle of it. And in life, you will find what you're looking for. If you're looking for it to be defeat, you'll get defeat. If you're looking for it to be depression, you will find depression. If you are looking for the thing that takes you out, then it will be the thing that takes you out because there's power in how you see it. And James is saying, why don't you just consider it joy? Why don't you consider it something else? You've got nothing to lose. Do you have a better option? Do you have a better perspective? He's saying, consider it joy when you face trials of all kinds. James is not saying that you should walk around going, oh, God, I'm just so thankful for these trials, thankful for the pain that I'm walking in. Like, God, this is, this is amazing. That's not what he's saying. In fact, the Bible says, in all things, give thanks, for this is the will of God. It doesn't say for all things. It says, in all things, give thanks. Good or bad, give thanks. I can give thanks not for the trial, but in the middle of it, I can give thanks and find joy because I know God is still good. I know he's still faithful. I know he's still consistent. I can find things to give thanks for in the middle of a trial. Even during the hard and the pain, maybe the only thing you can give thanks for is that you still have breath in your lungs. Maybe you're going to have to search for it. You can find something in the midst of it. And when you begin to consider it joy, it will change your attitude. 
I tell my kids this all the time, and I have four of them, so I think I'm a little bit of an expert. Your attitude is a choice. You get to choose how you're going to respond in this situation. And if you live your life just responding and reacting to everything you think, feel, and experience, you're going to be schizophrenic. It's maybe a little bit harsh, but you will be emotionally unstable because you'll be happy in one minute because things are good, and then you'll be sad in the next because they said something about you, and now you feel insecure, and you've got things rising up, and then you'll be angry, and then you'll be happy, and then you'll be disgusted, and then you'll be content, and eventually nobody's going to want to be around you because they just don't know what to do with you. Your choices lead, and your feelings follow. And James is saying, how about you just name it joy? And not only can you name it, But James' second thought for us is, you can use it. Depending on how you see the trial, how you consider it, what you call it, you can use it. Let's look at verse 3 and 4. It says, verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Okay, I think I'm starting to understand this, James. I can call this joy because God isn't doing something to me, but he's doing something in me. Depending on how you use the trial, you could come out more bitter, more discouraged, more beat up, or you can determine, no, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to allow this to develop something in me. I'm going to use this to make me more resilient, to make me stronger, to allow my faith to grow. I'm going to allow this trial to do something in me. I'm not suggesting pretending that it isn't happening. It's okay to say, I'm dealing with this, but I'm choosing to have a smile on my face. It's okay that you cried yourself to sleep last night because you know joy comes in the morning. You know you're getting stronger that you're getting better, that you're using this to develop something inside of you. Not letting the trial use me, I'm using it because perseverance must finish its work. We can't go halfway or quit too early. Don't when the pressure's on, run the other way. That's when you lean into it. Why? Look again at verse 4. Let perseverance finish finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Here's the deal. If you are walking through a trial, if you'll allow God, he'll use it to complete you, to fulfill you, to make you whole. It won't be easy. It won't be comfortable. It will be hard. But we can do hard things, right? Like, I get it. I really don't like working out, but I like being able to fit into my pants. So we endure the hard, right? I don't like stretching. Well, stretching's what grows your capacity. He's trying to complete something in you, to fulfill something in you. And as uncomfortable as, as this is, there is good news. We get to name the trial, we get to use the trial, And we don't have to go at it alone. In the middle of the trial, you can ask for help. In the middle of the trial, you can ask for help. Check out verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You can ask for help. I do this all the time. Whenever I'm in a situation that I feel like I am not equipped to handle, which, to be honest, is most situations in my life, I pray God, give me wisdom. Give me your wisdom to know how to handle this, 
how to walk through this, how to walk through it with my head held high, sometimes with my lips zipped shut. You know, I need your help to come out of this better on the other side. And when you ask for help, don't turn around and say, well, I hope he does it, because doubt will leave you empty. You can't walk through a trial with one foot in faith and one foot out of faith. You can't walk through the trial and say, God, I trust you, but just in case your day doesn't work out, I've got a backup plan. God wants you to go all in with him. And when you do that, look at verse 12 for what he's promised you. It says, Bless, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Trials are obstacles in the road. You get to decide what to do with it. You can complain about it. You can be bitter and upset. You can gripe about it. Or you can call it joy because you can use it. You can leverage it. You can come out stronger on the other side of it. And you don't have to face it alone. James says, hey, if you need help, if you need wisdom, just ask for it. God will help you to know how to walk through it. Now that's how to be ready for trials. If you're still with me, say, I'm ready for it. Now let's talk about temptation. I defined it earlier as a fork in the road. Temptations are different than trials because we have more of a choice in them, but they can feel similar to a trial. And sometimes in the middle of a trial, we can feel tempted. Just as he was about trials, James is very clear about temptation. And the first thing he wants us to know about temptation is that temptation is not from God. That's so good, I'll say it twice. Temptation is not from God. Verse 13 tells us that. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Because temptation is not from God. I want you to understand this because we tend to get this mixed up. God will test your faith and use trials to do it. But God will not tempt you to sin. God cannot be tempted by evil. And he cannot tempt anyone else with evil. He does not have the ability. It is not in his wheelhouse to be able to accomplish that. So whenever you face temptation, whether it be to sin or to lie or to lash out or be prideful, whatever it is, you've got to know right there, this is not from God. This isn't God trying to see if I'll choose good or evil. It's not what God does. When I'm tempted to, to give someone a piece of my mind, and I'm tempted to do that often, I have to recognize in that moment that this is not from God. When I'm tempted to be prideful, I'm in a moment that's not from God. When I'm tempted to lie, that's not from God. Trials can be used by God to grow you. Temptation is from the devil, and it's meant to ruin you. And you've got to know the difference. Trials can be used by God to grow you. Temptation comes from the devil to ruin you. And here's the thing about the enemy of our soul. He has no new tools in his bag of tricks. He's been playing the same game since the Garden of Eden. So keep that in mind, and here is what I want you to know about temptation. Temptation is predictable. 100% of the time, temptation is predictable. The devil's sneaky, but he's also dumb. That's our new merch line. He will find your weak spark, spot, and he will keep going for it in the same way. Whether it's anger or lying or gossip or unforgiveness or bitterness, he has no new moves. He just continues to tempt you in the same way. 
And James tells us this process that the devil uses. In verse 14, he says, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when full grown, gives birth to death. Trials are external. Temptation is internal. So it starts as a desire on the inside of you. Someone offended me, so I'm not going to forgive them. Starts as a desire. Affairs don't start as affairs. They start as desire. Lying doesn't start as a lie. It starts as a desire to not tell the truth. Are you following me? I don't care who you are. We all have evil desires. We're all in the same boat. And the enemy knows how to capitalize on that desire, and it leads you to disobedience. So when temptation comes and we find ourselves in a fork at the road, we can say, nope, I'm going to lay this desire aside and go God's way. Or you can say, you know what? I kind of want to do what I want to do here. And in that moment, it is so much easier to just go, Forget all y'all. I didn't flip anyone off. That was finger. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. It's easier to let desire win out and say, I'm going to give them a piece of my lovely mind, and I'm not going to forgive them. And the flesh side of you, like, mm, this is its moment. It's in its best life right then. It's eating it up saying, yeah, girl, you do that. This, this is amazing. Talk behind their back. Judge them just a little and then maybe a little bit more. And in those moments, desire is alive and it's strong. Whenever you choose disobedience, it's because you chose your flesh desire over God's will. Well, I just can't help myself. That's how I am. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you, so now you have the power of heaven to choose God's way. And if we mess up, because we will, the Bible says that we can ask for forgiveness of our sins, and it says he is faithful and just to forgive us. And then the next time we're at the fork in the road, we just can make a different decision. It's a predictable process that the enemy uses. It starts with a desire. All of us have a different thing. Paul says that there's sin that so easily besets us. In other words, all of us have something that gets us easy, and the devil knows it. He knows the thing that trips you up. He knows the button to push, but you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, so you don't have to let your desire turn into his disobedience when you're at the fork in the road. And I think a lot of us feel shame and condemnation when it comes to these desires that trip us up. But can I just tell you something? You haven't sinned at the point of desire. You have not sinned at the point of desire. You sin at the point of disobedience. Yeah, right. Just having the desire is not a sin. Acting on the desire is what leads to sin. It's when you let desire turn into something else. It says, desire has conceived and given birth to sin, and when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. What does that mean? Am I literally going to die if I keep giving in to temptation? I don't know. Maybe. But I know that I don't want to keep testing the limit. I don't want to find out how far is too far. And there are some choices that you make that could take your life. But I think what James is talking about here is that parts of you die in here every time you fall for the devil's scheme. When we disobey in the same way over and over and over again, the more it becomes habit and routine and the less likely you are to see it for what it is and call it sin in your life. God doesn't want us to be trapped in this cycle. That's why Jesus said, I've come, that, I, I've come so that you may have life and have it to the full. 
James is telling all of this because when you find yourself facing a temptation, he wants you to be ready for it. In that moment, you have a choice to make. Follow the Spirit or follow your flesh. Follow who you really are or follow who you used to be. Temptation is not from God. Temptation is predictable. And, and finally, I hope I have a little glimmer. Uh, well, sorry, I said that wrong. Finally, I hope I've given you a little glimmer of hope tonight. That was supposed to be so much smoother. Because <laughs> this sounds kind of depressing. I want to I end on a good note. Temptation is not inevitable. It's predictable, but it's not inevitable. This is good news. You don't just have to fall for the scheme of the enemy over and over again. And James speaks to this in verse 16. He says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. You see, right after James tells us that it leads to death, he says, listen up, though. I've got good things to say because God's got good and perfect gifts and God does not change and if you'll invite him into your situations, he will help you. He's not for you one day and against you the next. He's not forgiving you one moment and then condemning you the next. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow because he's faithful. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. The enemy wants to make you think that you are the only one dealing with this, that you are the only one going through it. But Paul's like, let's get real, girlfriend. We are all dealing with the same stuff. And he says, but God is faithful. Even when you are at that fork in the road and you continue to choose the wrong path, God is faithful. God will provide a way out. A way out? I, I, I don't know. You don't understand. What I'm facing and dealing with, it's, it's a lot. I don't, I don't see a way out of this. Well, I'll give you a way out. Community. The right community. The body of Christ. How about prioritizing the weekend to be in the house? Oh, yeah, I'm about to get in your business. <laughs> How about we be women and leaders and mothers and business owners that say we prioritize church. Other things in our life and our schedule revolve around being at church. I know you don't like it, but I'm going to amen myself because that's good preaching. We don't go to church when we're free. We don't, you know... We don't say, I've just been so busy. I just kind of need a break to reprioritize. And if you say that, I'm sorry, but you need to get your act together. And this is a trigger for me, not because I'm a pastor's wife. It's not about a number or filling the room. I'm passionate about the importance of being in the house because I have experienced firsthand what it feels like to walk in here broken. What it feels like to walk in here empty like I have nothing else to give, that I'm tired and overwhelmed, and yet I come here and I leave with a different perspective. All of my situation hasn't changed, but my perspective has. I get it. Brunch is awesome, but are waffles really going to help you make it through when you find yourself in a crisis? Probably not. But authentic relationships that you find by being in a group can. Having people around you that say, I get it. 
I've been there, that you can say, I just keep messing up and keep tripping up in this area. They can come around you and pray for you and encourage you and lift you up. And you have a baby and they're the ones that are going to bring you a meal. You have surgery, your group is going to be the ones that invest in you. They're going to hold you accountable. They're going to hold you up. That's your way out. If you allow him, God will put the right people in your life. You just have to put yourself in the right places. God didn't say he would take the temptation away, but he did say he'd provide a way so that you can endure it, so that it won't take you under, a way so you can stand under it. And then James ends this section in verse 18. He says, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. The word of truth is in the beginning was the word and the word was God and word the word was with God, the word was God. He's talking about Jesus. That we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. James is ending this section by telling us that we've got the power, the same power that Jesus has. And if we don't give up, victory is ours. Here's the deal. Sometimes with trials, you just have to outlast them and the victory is yours. And sometimes with temptations, you just have to outlast them and victory is yours. James is telling us that when you're in a trial or facing temptation, if you will just keep pressing forward with Jesus on the inside of you, victory is yours. Now, I don't know if a message like this gives you hope or it frustrates you, but my prayer is that you'll be ready for it. Are you ready for it? As we close out our time together at Radiant, it's important to me that we create a space for you to meet with God. And I believe that through worship in this message, you already have. I know God's already been working. And as I was praying about tonight, I kept feeling like there's some real battles that we're facing. There's some real things that we're walking through. There's some things that we've been carrying for far too long that are not ours to carry, and we've not been able to see victory over it. And if we're going to be women who are ready for it, women who flourish, who have vibrant and beautiful relationships with not only God, but also others, then we need to take back some ground that the enemy has stolen from us. I've asked our worship team to come back up and and lead us again. And I would ask you, if, if you're able to, would you just stand with me? If you came in here tonight carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, whether it be that you are walking through a trial or you feel like temptation is taking you under, if you're just needing to feel like Jesus hasn't forgotten about you, I would like the opportunity to get to pray with you. Now, normally, I would just ask you to to raise your hand if that's you. But for some things that we are asking God for, it requires us to be a little bit more active in our faith. I'm reminded of a story in the Bible about a woman who had an issue of blood. She was so desperate to be free from this trial, from this sickness, from the chains that kept her bound. She tried everything and nothing worked. But she knew if she could get to Jesus, she could be made whole. She knew that the trial she had endured for years could be over. So what did she do? She made her way through the crowd and she grabbed the hem of his garment and she became an active participant in what she was asking God for. And when she did that, Jesus said, because of your faith, you are made whole. She acted 
and God responded. Now tonight, we're all friends here, so you don't need to be worried at all. I'm gonna ask you to be an active participant in your faith. If you've been praying to be free, to be whole, to, to have wisdom, to have victory in whatever you are facing, I would like you to physically get out of your seat and come to the front of this platform so that I can pray for you. I know I am asking you to take a really big step. And if you are supposed to do it right now on the inside, you are having a dialogue with yourself of should I do this or should I just stay here? I'm not gonna force you to do this, but I would ask you, what do you have to lose? You've been trying it on your own own. Why not try God this time? Why not step out and take a step of faith tonight? Just start to fill in up in this front. We've got people in the aisles. Just come on in all the way. Make room. Our team's going to start to lead, lead us in worship. You just feel your way to the front right now.
left us, that you've never forsaken us. You knew us before we were created. You've ordered all of our days. You've been in our past, Lord. You've been in our future. And you're right here in our present. So God, what do we have to fret about? What do we have to worry about? What do we have to be depressed about or anxious about? Because we know those things are not from you, God. We know that you have good plans for us, plans to prosper us, plans for a hope and a future. Nothing we face or endure catches you off guard, God. And no matter what circumstances come our way, God, you are still good and you are still in control. There is absolutely nothing you can't do, God. Nothing that you can't turn around, nothing that you can't bring back to life, nothing that you can't set free, Jesus. So tonight, we come boldly before your throne of grace, Lord. We bring everything that we have, everything that we are carrying, everything that we are facing, everything that we are thinking, Lord, we just bring it right to you. We place it at your feet and we say, no more. We're not carrying it. We're not doing it. God, we give it all to you. And we know that you're coming in and you're taking it. And I declare right now as I'm speaking that there is victory happening in these women's lives. I declare freedom for these women. I declare healing for these women. Healing, God, from the top of our head to the very tips of our feet. Healing, Jesus. Thank you for wholeness and happiness and freedom. Thank you that we are getting stronger, that we are getting better. God, we want more of who you called us to be. Lord, we know that we are getting better because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It's in your name we pray, Jesus.